Hello everyone, welcome to Langstaff Assembly Podcast. My name is Yanaili Joyce and I'm your host for this episode. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message encourages you and that it draws you near to God. This verse has been on my heart for quite some time and so kind of want to um, just to look at it and uh, hopefully it will it will help us in our in our thinking. Paul has actually a lot to say in the book of Philippians about the mind. Uh, chapter one, uh, he says, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. In chapter two, uh, he, he says, having this mind among yourselves. Uh, chapter three, He says, uh, let those who are mature think this way. And then in chapter four, right before this verse, he says, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If we were to kind of narrow it down to chapter four, and and just, I'm not going to go into this in detail, but uh, from verses two to five in chapter four, Um, he reminds us that your mind should be focused on the gospel. And he actually brings up uh, two uh, sisters who were involved in the gospel. And for whatever reason, they were were, uh, at odds with one another. And, And he makes this statement that they labored side by side with him in the gospel. So, um, yes, your mind needs to be focused on the gospel. In verses 6 and 7, your mind should be protected by prayer. And uh, prayer is is something that will enable us to have minds that, that are garrisoned by God's peace. Then verses 8 to 9 that we're going to consider today... Um, your mind should be disciplined by good thoughts. And the rest of the chapter, verse 10, probably down to about verse 20, your mind should be contented with God's will. So so what I want to do today is just consider, um, I've called them eight uh, patterns of thinking, eight thinking patterns that will, that will help us Um, develop personal character, number one, Uh, enable good relationships, number two, and produce true worship. Keep in mind that thoughts are not an end in themselves. Thoughts are the beginnings of all the words and deeds done in our world. Thoughts lead to actions. Years and years ago, I remember a, a cartoon. It was a Kathy cartoon, and uh, it illustrated the uh, how an unchecked initial thought carried her away like a freight train. And it was a series of, of 10 pictures um, and, and little captions underneath, uh, which said, uh, I will take a drive, but I won't go near the grocery store. I will drive by the grocery store, but I will not go in. 
I will go into the grocery store, but I will not walk down the aisle where the candy is on sale. I will look at the candy, but I will not pick it up. I will pick it up, but I will not buy it. I will buy it, but I will not open it. I will open it, but I, I will not taste it. I will taste it, but I won't eat it. And then the last is her just eating, 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 eating. And, and it just, it, it, it illustrates how one little initial thought, if not checked, can, can take you on a course. This is what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians 10.5 when he said, and I read from the NLT, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. What a good, what a good version. I, I thought that was so impactful. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Thought to myself, well, man, how uh, th there are so many rebellious thoughts that need to be captured and brought into obedience with Christ. So let's just read this verse together. It's on the screen, but for those who don't have a screen, just look, you can uh, read from your Bibles, uh, Philippians 4 verse 8, which says, finally, brothers, uh, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think or meditate about these things. Philippians 4, 8. Maybe a little background will help us understand why Paul uh, brings uh, this text to the Philippian believers. Don't forget, these believers were, were enduring persecution. Paul was actually writing to them from prison. The Roman mindset, there in the colony, the Roman colony of, of Philippi, was different, was, was diametrically opposed to the Christian way of thinking. And, and not only that, but as I alluded to already, and, and you can see coming out of chapter two, there, there were problems in the, uh, in the church, in the local church there at Philippi. And they were also dealing with anxiety, with worry. And so, so these, are, these are, are things that, that you and I deal with as well. Some have called uh, this verse the brief biography of Christ. The brief biography of Christ. To think this way 100% of the time in perfection is the way that Jesus thought. He didn't deviate from this way of thinking even for a second. He was the sinless man. He was the God man, 
perfect in every way, beginning with his inward life, his thought life, and flowing out to his actions, every desire, every word, every step, every deed proceeded from thoughts that were in perfect accord with the mind of God. That's why he was able to live in poverty. Because he thought like God. That's why he, he uh, accepted suffering. His mind was focused on God's will. That's why he, he cared about others more than himself. Because he had the heart of God. This is why he willingly went to the cross. He had the mind of God. And this is why when we keep our thoughts filled with Christ and centered on Christ, it will greatly assist us in, in uh, thinking the way that Christ thought and, and being like him. I like how the message paraphrase opens this verse uh, 8. I'll just read it to you. Uh, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you do best by filling your minds and meditating on things, true, noble, reputable, etc. This is what it says. I'd say you do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, and reputable, etc. Now, you may not be able to control an initial thought. When I was talking to Rachel about this, that was uh, something that came up in our discussion. You may not be able to control initial thought. I mean, the devil may whisper something in your ear or a, a situation may darken your mind or a picture may corrupt your thinking. But you have the choice as to what you are going to think upon, as to what you are going to meditate upon, as to how you are going to deal with that initial thought. And, and I want you to notice, we're going to get into the verse uh, just in a second, but I want you to notice the repetition of the word whatever. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure. Why? It's just a rhetorical device known as, uh, what is it, uh, anaphor anaphora, which is designed to give, to give emphasis. It comes from uh, the Greek phrase, uh, carrying on or uh, carrying up or carrying back. Winston Churchill used it. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the land, landing grounds. We shall fight on the fields and in the streets. We shall fight on the hills. We shall never surrender. So it's this repetition of the first phrase that, that causes us to, to stop and, and to think about it. It gives emphasis. And so six times in this verse, we have the word whatever. So let's just jump into this and for the next uh, 10, 15 minutes, let's look at, um, at these words and, and how we can apply them to our 
to our thought, to our, uh, our lives. Okay, so I, I put them all on the screen here. I, uh, I meant to go one by one, but for whatever reason, they all popped up. So uh, there they are. Don't, uh, you can, if you can train your mind, let's go down through them just one at a time. First one, whatever is true. Whatever is true. Align your thinking with God's truth. Due to our, our background, tradition, or, or our culture, we often have our own thoughts and ideas regarding God's program and kingdom. It may be slanted in a certain direction. We can't change the past, but we can keep an open mind to what the Bible says. Dan spoke about this. Uh, a couple of weeks ago when he talked about the Emmaus Road experience. Their story, their thinking did not align with what the Lord Jesus had said. It, it sort of superseded the, uh, even though the Lord had, had given instruction through the, the three years that he was with his disciples, that their minds were uh, uh, kind of like pre-programmed and, and, and nothing else could come in. We need to align our thinking with God's truth. We've been learning this in, in, in our study in the Gospel of Mark as well. The Pharisees and leaders were, were stuck in their traditional ruts of thinking. They knew the Bible. They, they, they read the words. They, they, they knew the Bible but lived in their own false reality. We don't want our thinking to hinder us from seeing the truth. Right here in the book of Philippians, if, if you go back to chapter two, that well, uh, that familiar passage there about the Lord Jesus um, coming from heaven and uh, thinking it not robbery to be equal with God and making himself of no reputation and taking upon him the form of a servant and being made in the likeness of man and being found in fashion as a man. It says he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him. So, so this, is, this is not just a, a little add-on to the story of redemption. This is not just uh, a, a part of the plan of God. No, this is the story. Servanthood is godly. Humility is right. Esteeming others as God does is good. Dying with Christ is necessary. Leaving the outcome to God is, is uh, an act of true faith. And so we need to align our thinking with God's truth. Just notice the next word, noble. Train your mind towards integrity. Train your mind towards integrity. We all know for physical excellence, training is required. Uh, one person said that, that uh, he would love to be able to play golf like Tiger Woods. It was a, a dream, but not, a, not really a first love. 
He wanted to play the game like Tiger Woods, but he, he didn't want to get up at 5 a.m. every morning and, and practice. I mean, that would mean day in and day out of, of rigorous training. Now, I've only been golfing twice. And uh, Michael, Paul, and Stefan uh, know how uh, good or bad I am. Um, but it's evident that I haven't done any practice. But you see, the mind is, is similar to the body. We, we, it, it must be trained and, and exercised. It must be uh, disciplined in the ways of honesty and integrity. Our default, as we have been learning in, in uh, Mark's gospel in chapter 7, is, is deceit. It's right in the middle of what the Lord Jesus said when he was talking about uh, what comes out of a person's heart, evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things, they, they are what come out of our hearts. And so the reality is you and I, we have a new nature. And so we have the power, the ability to, to combat. As Romans 5, 6, or rather 6, 7, and 8 teach us, we, we, we are not under the dominion of sin any longer. John Maxwell, in his book, uh, how successful people think give, uh, gives five tips. Number one, remove distractions. Number two, make time for focused thinking. Three, keep items of focus before you. Four, setting goals. And five, question your progress. Or should I say progress? You see, this word, this word honest, or this word noble, or it actually is, is venerable or, or honorable, is the same word that is used to describe the deacons in 1 Timothy 3.8, where it says deacons likewise must be dignified, or I think the King James says grave, or sincere, or have integrity, is the idea. And so, Train your mind towards integrity. Thirdly, whatever is right. You need to consider ways of justice for those who are vulnerable. This requires us to put the truth of Philippians 2.3 into practice. I have... Uh, in my study of the book, I've, I have four messages, and, and in chapter two, that's kind of the, uh, uh, the focus of my thoughts. Chapter two, verse three, which says, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. The King James says, let each esteem others better than themselves. How often have you heard it said uh, uh, that... Um, a, a person say when speaking on this particular verse, uh, Philippians 2, 3, how do you do this when you know that you are better 
than the other person. I, I may have said it myself, I'm not sure. But, but, but can't you, you, you see the, the pride that's, that's lurking right under the surface? But in that verse, it's good for us to remember that, that Paul is not talking about performing tasks. He is not saying that uh, although uh, George can preach better than Henry, he should consider Henry to be uh, a better preacher. That, that's not what he's saying. It is not comparing gift and ability, but prioritizing our estimation of someone and counting them as more valuable or more important than ourselves. So it's a, actually an accounting term to, to esteem. It's, it's to consider someone more valuable. I like what David Guzik says in his commentary. I quote, if I consider you above me and you consider me above you, then a marvelous thing happens. We have a community where everyone is looked up to and no one is looked down on. Whether it's a person from uh, of another race or uh, another ethnic background or, or someone in a lower social or financial bracket or, or someone who is less educated or less popular, we need to value them as equals. We need to treat them with love. We need to help them uh, where they are and, and not be judgmental. I run into this all the time in, in uh, working with the homeless people and, and people say, well, well, you shouldn't give to them. I mean, well, why, well, they could easily, if they want, look at the person, they could easily get out of that uh, mess if they, if they wanted to. And, and we judge them and we put them down instead of loving them right in the situation in which they are. Whatever is pure. You need to fill your mind with the one supreme object of your love. The word here for pure is really unmixed or genuine, clean, and, and holy. And this is, it, 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 it is also integrity. But just let's talk for a minute about this word holy. We live in, in a very unholy world. We are being exposed to uncleanness all the time, at every turn. How do we maintain purity? Well, my, my, uh, my heading is, is really, my application is, is, is it, it really says it all. Fill your mind with the one supreme object of your love. I was listening to a preacher who quoted Thomas Chalmers, Scottish minister who lived back in 1780 to 1847. And in his book, uh, The Explosive Power of New Affection, he writes, and I quote, so you have to listen carefully because it's um, 1700s. I quote, if the way to disengage the heart from the positive love of one great and ascendant object is to fasten it on the positive love of another, then it is not by exposing the worthlessness of the former, 
but by addressing to the mental eye the worth and excellence of the latter. He also says this, and I quote, we know of no other way by which to keep the love of the world out of our heart than to keep our love, our hearts on the love of Christ. So you may spend all of your day trying and trying to keep unholy thoughts out of your mind and, and, and that which consumes you to, to try with clenched fists to get rid of it. But what Thomas Chalmers is saying is that what you need to do is fill your mind with the one supreme object of your love, whatever is pure. Then he says, whatever is lovely. You need to allow your thoughts to be controlled by grace. This word lovely has the idea of, of friendly or pleasing or, or acceptable or, or graceful. And I feel that uh, a lot of Christians have, have, have missed the memo that, that we are not only saved by grace, but we also live by grace. Now, grumpy is not lovely. Complaining is not lovely. Judgmentalism is not lovely. Put downs are not lovely. Comparing is not lovely. Gossip is not lovely. And the list goes on and on. Ungrace. Philip Yancey kind of coined that term. Ungrace is not lovely. But grace is. Grace is pleasing God. Grace is, is acceptable to God. And it is the mode of thinking that will make our church a better place. According to John, the Lord Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. Paul goes on to say, whatever is commendable, ad admirable reputable, well-spoken of. You need to cultivate thoughts of building up, not tearing down. You need to cultivate thoughts of building up, not tearing down. In Matthew uh, chapter 12, uh, the Lord Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I was noticing when I was just going through the, the meaning of words there that the word for heart is cardia. We get our word cardio from, uh, from that Greek word, but it, it's, not the, it's not the pumping heart that Jesus is referring to. Uh, Thayer says it is uh, the, the, the center of the soul or mind as to, its as to the fountain of thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, endeavors, understanding, and the seat of, the, of intelligence, will, and character. I mean, there's a, there's a lot in there. There's a whole message on, on, on this one. Out of the abundance of the, the heart, the mind, the inward person, the mouth speaks. I don't think there's any more clear indicator of what is going on inside our minds than, than the way we speak and, and what we speak 
and how we speak and, and, and the things we speak about. You see, what comes out of your mouth in the line of words does not come from a vacuum. It may seem like it sometimes, but, but, but those words, they, they originate from the fountain of our thoughts. And it's easy to tear down. It's easy to be critical. It's easy to be unkind. This is the outcome of negative thinking. Jude repeats the common thread through the New Testament by saying, but you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Now, my time is gone. So the last two, um, you have to kind of look at yourself a little bit. Um, whatever is excellent, uh, you need to remind yourself who you are. You see, excellence, valor, and courage flow from identity. I love the hymn that, um, that Nevin quoted this morning, but uh, I don't agree with the, the one line, uh, you know, where, where it talks about us being worthless. I do not believe that we are worthless. We are unworthy, yes, but not worthless. And so we need to remind ourselves of who we are. And lastly, Whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is praiseworthy, uh, whatever is is um, commendable, you need to make Christ and His glory the preeminent focus of your thoughts. This was what Paul was emphasizing in in uh, Philippians in Colossians three. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts your minds on things above where Christ is. So just allow me to sum up in one statement and then, uh, and then I'll be done. Um, this is the mind of Christ. What you are looking at, what, what we have been speaking about, these eight qualities, this is the mind of Christ. And, and it is significant that these patterns of thinking are, are sandwiched between the peace of God on one side, that's verse seven, and the God of peace on the other side, verse nine. And I trust it will be our daily portion. God bless his word. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for listening. What a privilege it was to share God's word with you today. We pray that you were fed, strengthened, and more equipped to run the race with perseverance. To listen to more podcasts like this, make sure to subscribe. For more content from Langstaff and to connect with us, go to langstaffassembly.com. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you next time.